You're listening to St. Pius X Catholic Church in Lafayette, Louisiana. Thank you for joining us. You know we're really into football season when the 7.30 a.m. Mass is better attended than the 5 p.m. Saturday Mass. It's one of those flips during the years, and that's great. And yes, I'm to blame for the long version of the Gospel reading today. Again, don't blame Deacon Sammy. I know that there was a choice for a shorter one, but this Gospel reading, along with the previous couple of weeks, helps us to kind of put together a little theme on discipleship that we've been going through in Luke's Gospel this year. And it began on September 4th on Labor Day. And on Labor Day, we didn't focus on it that much. But if we go back and look at the Gospel reading of the day, you know, there are two things that are mentioned by Jesus as examples. One was, you know, who is constructing a tower that does not sit down and plan it out? Make sure they have enough resources to finish it. And then he also says, what king going into battle doesn't sit down and look at his troops and the other side and plan on what they're gonna do. And if he doesn't have enough, he'll sue for peace before the other army arrives. And today we hear about uh, the dishonest steward and the dishonest steward. Obviously the punchline is not that the dishonest steward uh, was doing anything particularly commendable. Uh, what the punchline is here is that the children of this world, those who follow the world, are more prudent in dealing with their own generation, prudent in dealing with their matters of the world than are the children of light who are dealing with the matters of the light. And then he goes on to say, you can't serve two masters, right? You know, can't serve two masters. So kind of weaving that into the last three weeks and coming to a little bit of a conclusion before we move to next week, which will be the state of our, our parish uh, talk. How are we doing? We do that once a year. Let's look at where we were with labor on Labor Day. And then we'll briefly look at last week, image and likeness of God. And then we'll move into today. How do we cooperate with God's grace in order for our image and likeness to begin to conform with the image and likeness of God. So on Labor Day, we spoke about how labor is a part of our original dignity. That when God made the world and everything was good, at the same time, he had Adam and Eve placed in the garden to cultivate and care for it. So they had a job. Adam and Eve had a job. Now, after the fall, after sin, it became what we would maybe say toil. And you would have to toil by the sweat of your brow. And so the things that were easy, that were co-natural to Adam and Eve now became a burden and hard. And we still work with that, huh? In our labors, what we're called to do at times, we look at it as something difficult. And, and maybe we don't want to do it. We're averse to it uh, because we feel like it impinges on us. We don't see it is maybe stretching us into that original dignity to become like God. And then we move into last week and we hear the story of the prodigal son. And the story of the prodigal son, of course, you are all familiar with it. We've heard it many times. You know, beautiful, beautiful parable uh, where the prodigal son wishes the father was dead. He says, I want your estate. That's what he's effectively saying. And then he goes off and loses all the 
estate in dissolute living realizes, comes to his senses, which means, by the way, goes into yourself. The Greek word means he went into himself. He reflected on where he was. And he says, this is crazy. I'll go back and simply ask my father to hire me. And then I can eat and survive. That's all I deserve. I don't deserve to be the son. Of course, when he goes back, the father is looking for him. And he, he gives him a robe and a ring and sandals and restores him. That's what that all symbolizes, is that the prodigal son is restored. And in his repentance, in his change, that image and likeness of God is restored. And one of the lessons that we can have is what would our reaction be if we were the father with that son? You know, and I know what mine would be. You know, someone does that to me, I would say, go, make your bed and lie in it. You know, we're finished, okay, you made your decision, we're done. And in that attitude that's not like the father, in his mercy that tells us that we're not there in the image and likeness of God yet. We've got work to do. We've got work to do. It's precisely that that should tell us that we need to live a life in Christ in order to become more merciful, in order to become more loving, to become less judgmental. All of those things that Jesus says in his list of things that we need to do in order for our judgment to go well. And so, we come to today and we think of, okay, what is our role? Because it's very important to know this because we can't earn heaven. We can't earn God's mercy. When we use merit as a word, and this is a big debate between Protestants and Catholics. When we use merit, what we mean is putting ourselves in a position to receive the grace of God and then cooperating with it. So we use the term cooperation. But what we do is we put ourselves in a position to receive God's grace. And that's where we come into play because we have to be able to make a choice or else we're not free. And if we're not free, then we can't love. And so what's the choice? And we refer to that as an act of the will, a desire to follow God and to allow him to work within us. And that desire, by the way, is called hope, the supernatural virtue of hope. And so as we think of how we do, we first we make the act of the will, we want to believe. We have that choice. I can either believe what is being told to me about the gospel or I can disbelieve. I can believe the church and her teachings or I can disbelieve. There was a period of time where we referred to people maybe as cafeteria Catholics. They would pick and choose what they want to believe or not believe in living the faith. And so we think of that indifferentism, but really in the end, Okay, do I want to believe? Do I not want to believe? And if I want to believe, then I'm willing to try to do the commands and put myself in a position of understanding. And even if we have a hard time believing, we can still put ourselves in a position to learn. Why does the church teach what she teaches? I love that. I was... It reminds me, I know y'all probably heard this before, but I had a, um, when I was at uh, St. Michael's in Crowley, they have side doors like us. And there was a two or three year old, old enough to know what they were doing. And mom was kind of like trying to calm down, calm, calm down, very soft and gentle like moms can be. Dad was kind of like, 
he knows what he's doing. He knows what he's doing. Finally, it got to be enough where dad had had enough. So dad grabs him, picks him up, puts him over his shoulder where his head is facing backwards. And as he's walking out the door, you know, and you can hear the child going, oh, after mom, the, the dad was like, oh no, daddy, oh no, daddy, I'm gonna be good, I promise. Son. You could kind of hear that being mumbled. <laughs> but then as he walks out the door, the last plea was to the congregation, pray for me. <laughs> so anyway, what is our role? It, it, it is that act of the will. We want to believe and we're willing to believe even if we don't understand. And then we put ourselves in a position with discipline, the same things we would do in the world. That's what Jesus is talking about today. He's saying the people of the world are more willing to do the things they need to do to survive in the world than we are willing to do to survive for eternal life. So where's our priority? Is it really important to us? And if it is, then we put ourselves in that position by first honoring the Sabbath, right? Coming and receiving the Eucharist, receiving the sacraments regularly that we can. Honestly looking at ourselves and seeing where we do not live in God's image and likeness, where are our faults, where are our weaknesses, and where are our sins? Where can we do better and how can we live that life by as a matter of discipline? As a matter of discipline, are we able to maybe read or go to Bible studies to understand better the Word of God? Are we doing things that stretch ourselves, maybe in our own lives, instead of trying to make them more comfortable, maybe allowing things play out and showing what true love is to neighbor in a systematic and disciplined way? And if we do that, then we are able to put ourselves in a position to receive the grace of God, receive His enlightenment, in that humility of understanding that we've got a ways to go. And if we do that, then God will allow us to hopefully grow in our knowledge and love of him, to follow him, and to be formed in that image that he is as he created us to be. And so as we think of the supernatural virtue of hope, it comes to priority and discipline. And that's what hope really is. It's not just a desire or a desire of the heart. It's actually putting into practice in a concrete way how we are to learn about God and to grow in that image and likeness, to become more like him, more merciful, more helpful, more whatever. A better mother, a better father, a better deacon, a better priest, a better single person, a better whatever. And that's where the heart of discipleship is, is in allowing God to work in us. And things don't, come, things don't always come as quickly as we want. We have to remember it's God's plan of salvation. That's part of our humility. We might not understand something right away, but maybe we're not ready. Maybe we're not ready for what God has in store for us. We do know the objective markers. That would be called sin, beginning with the Ten Commandments. And then all of the other, say, rules that we have are objective markers of how we can work into God's image and likeness by the gift of his grace. And so we also can look at football for this, by the way. We can look at football, think about what football teams do. I love football analogies. They gotta learn the playbook before they even hit the field. You gotta train the mind, make that act of the will that the playbook is gonna help. And then they hit the practice field and they get that discipline over and over again. They're willing to go out in 100 degree heat in August. I'm not willing to do that for football. I'm not even willing to sit in the stands in 100 degree heat, let alone play a game. But then they go out and they practice 
and then they get better. The team is formed up, hopefully, in the image that the coach hoped, that they can work together in solidarity. The same principles that we have, a principle of the world, a principle, hopefully, of our spiritual life as we move forward. And so, as we think of today and kind of wrap this up, remember, labor is important. It's a part of our original dignity. Remember that in that dignity, we're trying to be restored and get into the image and likeness of God. And then in the end, hopefully we put ourselves in a position to continue that growth for all of our lives. And that's, like I said, the supernatural virtue of hope. Some call it intentional. Some call it just making an act of the will, different words for it. It all comes back to that supernatural virtue, hope. And so, as I mentioned next week, we will have our state of the parish address speaking of cohesive units, our parish as a cohesive unit. I'll try to go over what we can do as best as I can in 10 or 12 minutes and let you guys see what we're up to. Uh, I have to say right now, things are great. Y'all have been great. And I think that there are so many things going on in our parish that many don't know about, very active. I'm, when I drive by, sometimes when I'm with the priest and they say, hey, what's going on in the parish in the evening? I say, I, I don't know. I can't keep up with the schedule. There's too much going on. I don't know what those cars are there for, but hopefully it's something good and something we've authorized, you know. But we really are kick, clicking on all eight cylinders, so to speak. Um, some people say I shouldn't uh, mention that, you know, we also go over stewardship and money because then all of you guys will end up at Holy Cross or Fatima next week because you don't want to hear it. But I always joke, I say, no, they'll come when they want to hear. So next week it'll be the state of the parish. I look forward to giving you a report, my accountability, uh, my transparency for you guys. Questions come up regularly, and I just want to be able to answer them all and to do it uh, to the whole congregation in one weekend. So let's pray that our hope is strengthened, that we continue the journey that we're on. If we're not, let's make sure that we're looking at Christ as our priority. And it's a great examination of what's important, the things of the world or the things of light, the things that will bring us to eternal life. They work together, but not by the diminishment of one to the other. 